0: Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Claire Errors Podcast, the podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go! From the Toxin Tasting Studios, I am Paul Hagen. And I'm Burke. And I'm Vicar. Hey, Peep. Hey, Peep. So, uh, here we go again. Uh, good to have you with us today. Uh, we have uh, um, continuing on uh, the Ecclesiastes quotes. And we have uh, another pastor piece theater with uh, um, Paul Hensel. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're we're slowly getting into the groove here. Huh. So, and then uh, we'll see what happens, right? I'm uh, looking ahead to a vacation, so it's hard to get out of the vacation. I even got I got my beach haircut. You know, I'm ready to go frost the tips. <laughs> nice. <laughs> You know how we do it, bro. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, anyway, I brought the drink today. So this was a limited release. It's Kugel's Orange Shandy with natural Ooh. orange flavor. All right. So I figured it was a good summer drink for us.
2: This is. I mean, this if
0: you a- guys are gonna do that, I'm gonna go pop open a summer shandy. Nice. Oh. All right. Um, yeah. This this seems like. Uh, uh, oh no, we don't have a drink. I'm gonna see what we have. Well, <laughs> I had a few other options, but I was like, you know,
1: we might save those for later episodes. There so, you go. There's a lot of summer left. So. Well, you
0: know, it's, what's interesting about the, the orange shandy is it seems like after the summer shandy came out, like, we got to ride this wave. Right. Like, everyone started coming out with a citrus beer. Right. And then, you know, they've tried all these other shandies, you know. <laughs> I think my favorite one is
1: called Elefunk and it's an imperial IPA and it tastes and I don't like grapefruit but the way that they've done the hops it tastes like grapefruit citrus mm. so
3: oh
1: you I think like I've grapefruit I've actually had that one that's
2: in, and I'm not an IPA guy at all but I enjoyed that one
1: yeah okay so here we go
0: oh yes Wow. Very, very good. So, yeah.
1: And has anybody uh, has anybody uh, done any tweets or anything or Facebook deals about what they're drinking? Have we seen any of that?
0: yet? <laughs> pretty, pretty light on the <laughs> Wait, I can stop for a second. What? I love every once in a while we just have one of these tired, awkward starts. <laughs> really? I thought it was going pretty good. Okay, I, yeah. Never mind.
1: That's just me. It's just I, you, Pastor. <laughs> I mean, I'm. I don't. Know, I don't know what else. I don't know what else to say, man. <laughs>
2: All right, what do we have here? Um, oh, we haven't. Give, we haven't done uh, 15.0's email yet. He has an email. Yes, he does. Holy cats! <laughs> In true clerical heiress fashion, we received this email on May 27th. <laughs>
1: Hoofta. <laughs> okay, let's see here. I just...
2: So we received an email from. 15. Oh
1: 0. right, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. It Are says, you sure we haven't talked about that?
2: We positive we haven't. We said we were, and then we missed it two
0: weeks yep. in a row. All right. So he says,
2: what? "Hello, clerics." As I was listening to the first edition of the Master Pastor Theater, which has now been changed to pasture Peace Theater. And thinking of how a smoking jacket might enhance the experience, mm. I had a revelation. Perhaps even an olfactory conversion experience. My thoughts are this. Could there be a connection to the seemingly offensive nature of garlic and the fact that a garlic clove has never been a character on Veggie Tales? It seems like a profound insight as to the nature of pop American Christianity, don't you think? Anyways, I enjoyed the new segment, Stay Erroneous, Regards, The Almost Reverend 15.0.
0: All right. Well, for my first response is, wow, that guy's going to be a pastor. True. <laughs> <Hey, laughs> where is he? Uh, where is he going? Where he's going he... to, to Rollins, Wyoming. Nice. So, so yeah. Well, he,
1: here. Um, so, it, first, congratulations. Congratulations, yes. We know your uh, call
0: service was a lot different than ours. And and I remember your your words uh, at uh, at uh, one of the podcasts when you said, oh, "I'm never getting a call." <laughs> so well, you snuck by. So. Yeah, it, it's the next war- vicar I'm worried about. As we gain more listeners, they're gonna find out about it. Maybe
3: that's right.
0: <laughs> so so the other thing is, um, I I would say Berg, the fact that garlic has not been a character on Veggie Tales probably fits in with actual the theme of what he's writing about. <laughs> Actually. Yeah.
1: I mean, it works pretty well. Um, I do. Well, and even like the vegetables that people, well, I won't say that. Right. Cause there's this little broccoli kid, right? Right. Most people kind of don't like the broccoli. Oh, is there one? So I have bad news for 15.0 there. Oh, there is garlic. There's garlic Gary garlic.
2: Gary Garlic is a student who goes to the same school wow. as Junior oh. Asparagus. And oh, right
0: fake news. Ah. <laughs> Our 15.0 app gave us fake news. Man. You're
1: going to have to brush up on these things.
0: Yeah, you can get out more.
1: Well, it's relatively recent.
0: Oh. So so uh, what do we know about this uh, um, Gary Garlic? He goes to school with the asparagus kid. Oh. <laughs>
1: Who I mean, both of them are kind of acquired tastes, right? You either
0: love them or well, you know, it, you it, don't. You know, we all remember that kid in in um, in grade school that just had that odd smell. <laughs> yeah, Vicar, <laughs> do you ever do you have one of those classmates? Yep. Okay, uh, were you one of them? <laughs> no. Okay. I well, I don't know if you know if you're the one. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the, so. So. Uh, that's the thing. So. Um, uh, Fifteen point uh, There is uh, a Gary Garlic, and we know nothing about him. I'm glad uh, we could educate you. Yes, maybe if we put Veggie Tales in the titles, it'll people will find our podcast.
2: <laughs>
1: Let's do it. This,
2: this well, I don't know. That out. might alienate <laughs>
1: some of our other listeners. <laughs> it's true. So,
2: <laughs> can we just make this episode title Veggie Tales, Veggie Tales, Veggie Tales?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Clickbait. <laughs>
3: Uh.
1: all
2: right oh and
0: i have i have one i got a message uh from someone named james (laughs) oh no um he says uh kind of a a strange thing from james he says thanks for reading for my book (laughs) (laughs) what (laughs) i don't remember that uh just a couple of reactions to the podcast Manning up, personally, I think it's a subliminal denial of original sin. It may just be of Masonic origin. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Regarding high church practices, um, Pentecostal-type churches rely heavily on personal spiritual experiences or someone else's testimony to his experience, which is as enlightening as showing someone your cracker meal. But the (laughs) high— That's an inside joke. (laughs) But the high uh, church liturgy, with all its props, symbols, and symbolic gestures, is equally experience-based. You might say that high church practices are Pentecostalism wearing a tuxedo. (laughs) Pastor Berg might want to handle this one. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the vote of confidence, Dad. (laughs) Have you been talking to Hannah? Um. All right. Several years ago, I came to a certain young fellow who was a, about to graduate from the seminary. of so my clergy... Um, several... Man, Vicar, read that. All right. <laughs> several years
3: ago, I gave to a certain young fellow who was about to graduate from the seminary several of my clergy shirts. As it turns out, I found out that I had given to him all my clergy <laughs> shirts. So for six months, I went... With great dismay, without any clergy shirts. My question is: Would it have been all Would it have been all right to preach at any time during those naked six months? Well, our next part of garlic will definitely
0: uh, answer that question. So. Oh, so teaser. St- stay, stay tuned, James. <laughs> <laughs> now, by the way, can wait. I say something once that explains? I remember as a child there was like a 6 month period where I thought my dad had been fired. <laughs> and then, now I know he just gave away his shirts. He walked through the door. Such a good guy, he gives the shirt off of his, right. off his back. I've done that before. Taken off my shirt.
1: Yeah, you had an ulterior motive though. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. You just wanted to show your second amendment rights. <laughs>
0: the bare arms, yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, you know you know as a pastor you have to introduce them to the law and then the gospel right
0: that's right I actually use i uh at one point i oh when Peter was teaching i used my biceps as a way of t- first you, you hit him with the law and then you hit him with the gospel obvious it's stuck it's stuck yeah
1: it's stuck speaking of law and gospel we should probably get to a text sure oh, wait so I'm sorry.
2: no I have one more thing. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. I know. We're kind of... I was going to say be- before we get into everything, but uh, I actually wanted to point this out. Uh, this episode is coming out on Father's Day.
3: Yes. Mm.
2: So, I made a little segment here. Oh, look at that. So, here we go. Dad. Fathers are not supposed to admit this, I know. But I know that I'm your favorite. Because not only am I your son, I'm your producer, and if you said otherwise, the podcast may not exist for much longer. This Father's Day, we remember the fourth most important person in each of our lives, our fathers. Of course, beat out by, in order, Jesus Christ, our mothers, and of course, Matt Harrison, President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I want to thank you for being a part of my creation. You only really did the easy parts, but you did contribute, and that was important. I want to thank you also for doing the same for two wonderful siblings, and the other one. You know which one I'm talking about. Because I love you, I want to take a moment to say sorry to Hannah, our associate producer. Hannah, we all appreciate the work you put in, but not enough to ever email you. Please continue to listen to the podcast for instructions. Dad, I want to apologize for apparently upsetting you at my use of music in the podcast. You don't have to write a diss track. Just a quick comment will be fine next time. I also want to apologize for Iowa for falling behind Florida as the number one listening state. I tried to go to Radio Ad, but apparently it was too macho. I will try harder in the future to ensure you sound as unmacho as possible (laughs) so we can get more listeners. Remember, this day is all about you and only you as well as every other father in the United States. So this Father's Day, put on your mask, go to Walmart, dodge the tear gas and pick up a nice Father's Day card, pretend you got it from me and walk out with it because they're preoccupied with something else right now. <laughs> I love you, Dad.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, son. I'm speechless. <laughs> The apple does not far from <laughs> fall far from the tree. <laughs> and uh I'm glad uh that uh my uh son has advocated stealing from Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. There's a lot in there.
1: <laughs> we might need our other associate producer to like, you know,
0: break that down. Yes, and uh as as two gentlemen who have some very young sons, someday they might be producers (laughs) wow (laughs) so well thank you peter that was awfully awfully kind of you um i liked it it's kind of my sense of humor i've often said that no one can quite make me laugh like my own children (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so uh we should get to the text yes
3: Baker. yeah so our our text comes from uh, Luke 14 this is the second Sunday after Trinity and uh, it's often labeled the the parable of the great banquet uh, so Luke's account gives us a uh, a master of a feast who invites uh, people to the banquet he sends out a servant and uh, he sends it with a message come for everything is now ready uh, but they all make excuses and we're given three responses Uh, I bought a field, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I've married a wife. And so the servant comes back, reports the things to the master. I've I've used that third excuse a few times. (laughs) (laughs) And the master gets angry, and he says to his servant, Now go out quickly. So there's this urgency to the parable, to the streets and the lanes of the city, bringing the poor, crippled, and blind, and lame and the servant actually says, well, it's already been done. And still there's room. And then the master says again, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in. And Berg, maybe there's a translation you like better than the English Standard Version.
1: Oh, yeah. I I prefer the Great Supper. Okay. Because, you know, it's at night. Jesus didn't eat the last dinner.
3: That's true. So
1: <laughs> lunch happens at 9 and at 3. Right.
0: So, <laughs> so, uh, vicar, uh, um, you're preaching because I will be on vacation. And what do you, you know? What your what direction? Or is this? not yet? No. This is
3: this is part of the workshop right here. <laughs> okay. So, um, I think I think the message that the the master goes sends a servant out with is significant. The come for everything is now ready, especially everything. Like this is. This is all complete. It's all ready for you just to come and partake in. Mm-hmm. And this is God inviting inviting sinners into his kingdom. And this, this urgency uh, is behind it. What I'm curious about what the pastors think is uh, what, are, what are your thoughts about the coronavirus being an excuse for not coming to the banquet that's held at church? uh the lord's supper in and uh you know we're not the three excuses that we're given are seem to be focused on possessions and then the third one i mean is like family that one kind of hits home uh for sure you know but uh yeah i don't know What, what are your thoughts on that and uh i think the focus on the text is the call of the gospel being sent out to the farthest reaches of the world and right. the master continues to call as he continues to call today, but there's a warning to those who reject.
0: Um, that's a that's a good question. Um, I would say I would say that the, the examples given are a little bit more maybe. Um, I'm just kind of talking this one out here. Yeah, go for it. Um, I would say certainly, as you apply that, it is a reminder that the greatest gift that you have is given in, in church. On the other hand, too, I also know, especially from a couple of things, one of our, our older members who are very high risk, mm-hmm. you know, I would worry about them and, and, and when they say, you know, express that," and they say, "Well, I, I'm not sure, you know I certainly don't come down on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I know that there is just genuinely so much anxiety about it still,
3: you know, especially right.
0: when people are just attuned to, to the radio or, or, here keep on hearing that in our County, the numbers keep going up, you know, uh, I personally am less worried about it for myself, but I'm also concerned about, you know, older folks. So that being said, um, uh, the greatest gift that you can have is a Lord's Supper, and I would say, in the the parable, it's talking about salvation and not salvation, right? Salvation and not Me- right, meaning that uh, um, you have the, the, the one group comes to the banquet and they're saved eternally, and you have another group that rejects the gospel, right, wholesale. Mm-hmm. And so I would say mm-hmm. you can apply it, certainly, on the one hand, that that this the rejection of the gospel leads to that, but you you I'd be very careful to say, okay, if you're worried about the coronavirus, you are then completely yeah. rejecting the gospel. Yeah, that's yeah. that would be my concern,
1: yeah, I mean, can it be an excuse? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think it, and this is where people have to examine themselves, right? And really, get down and, and actually examine themselves on on uh, how important God's word is to them? Um, is it something worth dying for? Hmm. Right? Um, that I mean, that is something that I think we need to actually ask ourselves. And also, do you desire the Lord's Supper? Because a lot of these people who are afraid of it actually
0: try right. to set up other ways to do it, right? Yeah. You know? Just um, just like we said other ways, like I'm still doing some small group communion services. Right. Still, even mm-hmm. though we have Sunday morning services. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if there's a desire for God's word, if there's a desire for the Lord's Supper, um, and they're seeking to find alternative ways, I mean, if they make up the phone call
0: or talk to you in church and, or and something. One, you and know. one thing as a pastor that I recognize is the fact that that we're dealing with human weakness. And I'll give an example. I I've talked to you about this before, Vicar, is many, many years ago, um, he died many years ago, so I don't, and I won't mention him by name, so I feel like I could say this. I, I had a, a gentleman who hadn't been in church in a long, long, long time, and uh, he was a sing, single man, and he actually fought in World War II, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, and uh, I kind of got a tip, well, you should visit this gentleman, and so I did. And of course I did the pastor thing and talked about, you know, you should come to church and kinda of talked about just like any pastor would, the blessings and how important it is for you to be there. And um and he was I could tell during the conversation he was getting a little more nervous, a little bit more nervous as as time went on. And finally he said, you know, I'm I'm kind of allergic around people. And and uh you know, we talk about, you know, PTSD nowadays. He, he never mm-hmm. got any of that, you know, and I know, I know I would never get him, I would never be able to get him to walk into the church on Sunday morning because he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Fear, anxiety, all sorts of things. Now, that's an extreme case. So what I did was I basically still went out and visit because when I went out and visited with him, guess what? He, he really welcomed me. He appreciated my visits. He confessed the faith. Uh, and, but I knew that, uh, that from a a mental standpoint, he couldn't get himself to do that. Now, I don't know, I doubt that's really the case with the coronavirus, but for me, it was kind of a way of kind of thinking to myself, okay, um, you know, you know, when I was very first a pastor coming across that situation, I would say, well, apparently, whatever it is, is more important than, than being in God's house. But at the same time, as a pastor, sometimes we ask, well, what if that was my grandfather? You you know? Well, and that's why you actually, and this is
1: pastors have to know, I mean, if you're going to be a doctor, right. You actually have to know the people, right. right? You have to know their medical history. You need to know this and that. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy, you know, um, but you have to do it. On the other hand, that means the people actually have to talk to their pastor. Right. You know, and tell us what's wrong because we can't help you mm-hmm. if you don't talk to us.
0: And and, and if I might say, may I say something about the, the younger generations as time goes by, there there is, I don't know what it is, there is an increase, increasing anxiety just to talk to someone there there's, it's not easy for people just to call a pastor and say I'm worried about this <laughs> um I don't I don't I don't know what it is if, if there's just a, a lack of social interaction or something like that I mean but the point of this text is is that
1: not everybody is weak right and people do need to be called on their excuses yes you know and at the very least they need to acknowledge and it sounds like this gentleman did he acknowledged his his weakness, mm-hmm. you know, and saw it as a weakness. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, this is the thing is that weakness can very easily turn into an excuse, which then turns into eternal death. Right. You know, that's, and that's what church is for. Church is for the weak. Church is for uh, those who are um, not strong. You know, that's what church is for. Um, you know, and whether that's meeting with the pastor on your own as a shut-in or uh, walking through the door you know you have to you have to do it at some point right you know because god actually commands it right you know
0: um and, and but it's also you know from my point of view um i think what of a what a blessing it was that someone said hey pastor can you go visit this guy
1: right you know um and i mean this guy is probably one of the poor the the lame and the blind that were brought in, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I think there is something to be said about compelling them to come in, you know. Right. That, uh, you know, we should be speaking God's word on a regular basis to those, you know, who who don't know. Because, I mean, the end of the text, I mean, is, it ends on the law, right? It doesn't end on the gospel. It doesn't end, and they lived happily ever after mm-hmm. in the full house of God. Right. It ends with those who rejected She'll
0: never taste my supper, right? You know, and um, you know one thing. I'm I'm very pr- proud of vicar, and and actually, if there are pastors listening, okay, um, can you talk ab- about the how you're doing your um your devotions? Um, because a lot of pastors may not know this is available. Um,
3: yeah, so I've been using Google Meet, which is now in my understanding free, um, a free platform for all everybody with a Gmail account, Google Meet allows you to create phone conference meetings from your computer, from the internet connection, and you can actually call people in to a phone conference call that don't even have internet in your phone. So for rural communities and for pastors that have elderly members that don't have internet and are really isolated, they may have a phone in their care facility or something, I call people in I had three people that were in the same hallway in a nursing home this morning that were all on the phone with me it was sweet so um, so yeah Google meet is what I'm using and you can have up to 250 people I mean this is just incredible and then you
0: have what about 30 people each time? yeah
3: yeah in the mornings about 30 people when we pray matins and then in the evenings about 20 households when we pray evening prayer and it's a beautiful thing I mean these you know uh, elderly individuals that might not be familiar with these prayer services like evening prayer which has the magnificat the song of Mary in it they're telling me that they wake up in the middle of the night and they have the song of Mary in, in their head and it's like
0: and, and, and it's it, just peaceful
3: for them and, Very, and it gives them yeah.
0: kind of a sense of community too that they're right they're not just like on the phone listening to something that they're listening with right other folks
3: right and uh, and that's the text I think is great about the in gathering of the people are together we're all at the table together i mean there's this physical gathering together that uh that is what the church is it's now by faith in christ but also on the last day there's this this eschatology the la- the last things when christ raises us all up and gathers us together at mount zion physically in our bodies to feast yeah and what great. i like
0: about that what what you're doing vicar is as we said from the beginning i worried about the fact that you know when we had just online services that left out a good portion right of people yeah,
3: especially in our community well, um
0: i wouldn't worry too much about it because
1: it sounds like from the statistics nobody watched that's the right. online stuff anyway so <laughs> <laughs> or you're
3: they're not watching their own <laughs> so
0: you says. know right <laughs> i i do remember like yeah. where uh oh i'd see someone who's having a, an evening service like i you know oh i'm the only one watching, <laughs> right <laughs> yep so and that's also
1: an excuse <laughs> right for a lot of people right right so but but you when
0: know. you talk about nursing homes which could be locked up for a long time still right and and the elderly especially which is most of who you're yeah doing this yep. with yep um it's really a, a and, and it just takes a click of a button and it calls them all right
3: well i enter their phone numbers individually but it's very easy it takes a minute they just pick up and they're on and i do the rest so yeah it's great
0: so all right So uh, that brings us to the, uh, as I see the stopwatch continuing to go on, keeping us moving. Good job, Pete. Talk, talk, talk. Um, Is uh, the uh, top 12 list. Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. So as we did last time, all right, um, we are talking from Ecclesiastes were using because I thought when we started this that we could use a little wisdom. Yes. And uh, and uh, Solomon and Ecclesiastes pl- pl- provides um, a lot of wisdom, and uh, I have this commentary. What are you guys sharing?
3: <laughs> you would not get it, Pastor.
0: Do you get it? Is that in a book? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> great podcast information thank yep, you yep so um uh ecclesiastes uh words of wisdom from solomon and i have the commentary uh from a dr james bullhagen where we're reading a small section of ecclesiastes and then we're hearing some commentary from it so uh we'll go with uh four verse four vicar and what number is this this is, I think we only got three last time. Yeah, so... So this would be nine. Am I wrong, Peter? Uh,
2: yeah, nine. We did, yeah, we only did
0: three. All right, number nine. Number nine. Then I saw that all
3: toil and all skill in work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after wind.
0: All right, so... Ah!
1: That's awesome. <laughs>
0: What? Just you like that verse? I do, actually. But what do you like about it? Uh, it just
1: shows the futility of trying to keep up with the Joneses. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is gonna blow your mind. Okay. I'm reading exactly what I'm gonna read. Was gonna read. Okay. Okay. All right. This is what uh, the um, Doctor Bullhagen writes. He says, "When work is wrongly motivated, it becomes all-consuming." Keeping up with the Joneses ah. turns from one, work, one a worker into a slave, a slave of the world's twisted values. Such a person continually measures his personal worth by production quotas and worries about his relative worth compared to others, as Solomon did in uh, 1 verse 16. Like Solomon, he becomes enslaved by the goods he has stockpiled. He becomes a slave to those who will lay undeserving claim to his inheritance. Undeserving claim to his inheritance. Ultimately, he becomes a slave of his neighbor as he burns the midnight oil to acquire what he supposedly to what he is supposedly to. I can't read today. Oh, all right. <clears throat> Ultimately, he becomes a slave of his neighbor as he burns the midnight oil to acquire what he is supposed. What is he supposed to enjoy? Well, I'm gonna start over, Peter. What is wrong? You don't have to. You can keep going. <coughs> All right. <coughs> he becomes a slave to those who will lay, un- de- lay unservant. <laughs>
3: Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> he becomes a slave to those who will lay undeserving claim to his inheritance. Ultimately, he becomes a slave of his neighbor as he burns the midnight oil to acquire what he is supposed to enjoy, what the world advertises as giving pleasure, but which really gives him no joy at all. Believers who operate with God's values work hard too, even though by God's free grace, they already have all the treasure they need for a blissful eternity. In the meantime, they rejoice in the work itself, which is a gift from God and are content with the simple pleasures God grants them through their vocation. In this way, the raging fire of envy is quelled into quietness. The vicious com- competition born of jealousy is turned into the cooperation bred of compassion for fellow sinners unbelievers work hard to try to get what they think will satisfy them the children of god work hard in joyful gratitude because christ is their vicarious satisfaction as with anything else it is the spiritual motivation in the heart that makes the difference
1: so vicar what does vicarious
3: satisfaction mean that Christ is our substitute that his death on the cross actually paid for our sins and so uh, by his his death he took our place and he took the place of all mankind and in his death he, he paid for the sins of the whole world uh, not just <laughs> not just the few like uh, the Reformed would say but
1: not just whitey,
0: right <laughs> everybody (laughs) but everybody all right (laughs) if that doesn't get us emails i don't know what will well hey i i thought that was a yeah
1: no it's fine yeah well i mean would you prefer he didn't just die
0: for crackers like us (laughs) all right now we're gonna get some emails i'm I'm not i'm just i'm not giving you a hard time (laughs) he's talking about garlic calm down all right so uh we are at number eight number eight um, and this is uh, a section that talks about four ten through 12.
3: Okay. Here it is. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Ah, uh, I feel like I'm at a wedding, right? <laughs> Don't get Berg on that.
0: <laughs> ah. We'll see what the commentary says. Uh, the commentary says, "Herein is a great su- uh, herein is a great capsule summary of the biblical wisdom, which answers this question: How can the child of God survive each day in a rotten world until God effects his final deliverance? The God behind these scriptural words of wisdom is seen as Creator who formed Eve as a command companion of Adam." so that he would not have to face life in the not-good state of being alone. He is also the Redeemer who sacrificed animals to protect his people from the freezing cold and the shame of this world. In the fullness of time, God sent his Son to offer himself as an atoning sacrifice that redeems all humanity, trapped in bondage under the condemnation and the curse of the law. Through his Son, he has called us into communion with himself and with each other, The Lord Jesus sent out his disciples, not singly, but two by two, and promised his abiding presence with them everywhere and always. He added, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. The tears produced by the cares of this world and the tears produced by the knowledge that God cares about this world always seem to be mingled together, whether married, single, or even banished or onto an island, as the apostle John was. No believer in Jesus Christ is ever alone. The Lord is his constant companion to raise him up when he falls, to warm him from the cold of this world's night, and to protect him from the attacks of the devil and the world in order to give him the ultimate victory. Thus, Ecclesiastes 10-12 through 12 is not simply about the humid advantages of companionship and marriage, but it also is a passage that in its deepest sense teaches the eternal benefit of communion with Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, that's another great text to uh, remind us of what the church is to us. Right? It's a it's a gift, right? Right. That uh, we're not alone. We're not alone with Jesus, but we're also not alone with each other. And right. you know, this world kind of stinks. And there's a lot of hate going on. There's a lot of you know um, hatred against what the Bible teaches, and you know. Um, just a lot of loneliness yeah a, and lot, a
0: lot of um, um, a lot of things that are being kind of uh, uh, how can I word this there is a um, there is an atmosphere right now where where people not only are isolated but also people are are in a sense being forced to isolate right you know this whole this whole the political atmosphere right now p- families are being separated. Mm-hmm. You know, if if one votes for one, there are families who stop talking to each other. I've mm-hmm. I've witnessed this of of, of people mm-hmm. where the, you know they'll just stop talking because of their own political views, which is amazing to me.
1: You know, and and um and that's why it's really fun the uh, you know how it talks about two lying down together to keep warm, and then it's two to uh defend against another, you know, group, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it goes to 3, right. right? Um, you know, so basically what does Jesus say? Where two or three are gathered together in my name.
3: There I am.
0: Right? So hmm. All right, uh we'll do uh one more. Number 7. Um this is from uh, f- uh, uh a part from uh 4:15 through 16. You want to read 15 and 16.
3: I saw all the living who move about under the sun, along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. There was no end of all the people, all of whom he led. Yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and a striving after wind.
0: Uh, Dr. Bolhigan says, Regardless of the particulars of these verses, one idea idea remains clear. Earthly life in all its aspects is temporary. One generation departs, another generation comes, while earth seems to endure forever. The problems of one age will be the problems of the next. The hopes spawned by the arrival of a new generation will be quickly dashed. The world tomorrow will most definitely not be a better place for our children. Even if a king should happen to make some minimal contribution to the well-being of his people, The next generation will not rejoice over him. The next king, jealously protective of his own power, will rewrite history in his favor, but it doesn't really matter because the people will forget anyway. Hmm. The world is a vicious cycle. As the preacher says, add a sinful king to that vicious cycle and the result is the same vicious circle with an additional oppression thrown in for good measure. Children of God learn to live with politics as usual, and to trust that the ultimate king and judge will soon set everything straight. We who live in the error era anno domini on the other side of the cross, can see how God has already accomplished his gracious form of justice, the justification of sinners, through the incarnation, perfect life, atoning death, and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ, but only when He returns in glory will all evil be purged from this world? I picked that section out because I th- just thought it was kind of timely. Yep, no doubt. I thought it was timely uh, because because uh, I think that's what we're seeing right now is is disillusionment of people who thought this generation was going to be different. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and uh, and we're just seeing the same things just being rehashed over and over again. And, and also what I appreciate is, is uh, the talking about uh, the king and how we play so much in our earthly rulers. Right. Um, you know, it, it really doesn't change. So hmm. that, that's a good perspective to have. So we will continue this next time. All right. But now we need uh, some words for Pastor Peace Theater. Peter, play the intro. So uh, welcome to Pastor's Peace Theater with Pastor Berg. Oh, that's some relaxing music right there.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I need to be any more relaxed today. <laughs> I can't even read. <laughs> so, uh,
1: this is uh, a continuation of Paul Hensel's essay on garlic, and um, it, it continues kind of what we were talking about last time, um, but it also answers Dr. Bullhagen's question okay, in a very interesting way.
0: So You know what, though? I've... I've- it's, it is weird, a little bit, how in some ways you and Dr. Bullhagen are kind of on the same wavelength today. Did you That's notice true. that? Great minds. All right, go ahead. <laughs> All right,
1: here we go. Our plush hush hush Lutheran church, grown ritz, rich and ritzy with our prosperous country, had better read Isaiah chapter 20 and let it sink in deep. Isaiah, under the instruction of the Lord, went about the streets embarrassingly dressed for three years as a sign unto Israel, exemplifying ad oculus the fate of mighty Egypt, the glory and expectation of the God-estranged Church of Israel at the time, and the fate of the Church which trusted in the staff of Egypt as we in our day trust in the Atlantic Pact and in the scientific weapons of modern warfare. Young and old would be led away captive, naked and barefoot, even with their buttocks uncovered. And are we so certain that our fate and that of our children will be less humiliating in these stern days when Satan is let loose, and that we deserve a milder treatment? Are we certain that our families cannot be torn apart forever, and each member groan, sweat, bleed, starve, die in some distant mine or inhuman labor camp? So then, if you insist on innovations in clerical attire in order to allegorize your message, though neither he who sanctifieth nor he who is sanctified lays any store by such externals, then ascend the pulpit clad in monk's cloth, beard unkempt, hair tousled, ashes upon your head after the manner of the circuit rider in the horse and buggy days, and preach, The time has come that judgment begins at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? It is time now, while we are yet at ease in Zion, before the sun, moon, and stars be darkened, and before the clouds return after the rain to pray unceasingly, so that when we are called upon to suffer according to the will of God, we might stand fast, and not fall into despair and other great shame and vice, but calmly commit the keeping of our souls to Him in well-doing, as unto a faithful Creator." So, so
0: that explain how that answered the question.
1: Well, you know, uh, Professor Bullhagen, uh, Isaiah preached not only without a shirt but also without pants. So, <laughs> I I think you're I think you're good.
0: So, all right. So, and what they're so ta- uh, we you know uh, so rather than suns out guns out, it was yep suns out buns, buns out. out. Yeah. Right. You know. <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, hey. This is, this
1: is what the Bible says, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Isaiah chapter 20. Um, this is what the Lord says to Isaiah. Go and remove the sackcloth from your body and take your sandals off your feet. And he did so walking naked and barefoot. Then the Lord said, just as my servant Isaiah has walked naked and barefoot three years for a sign and a wonder against Egypt and Ethiopia, so shall the king of Assyria lead away the Egyptians as prisoners and the Ethiopians as captives, young and old, naked and barefoot, with their buttocks uncovered to the shame of Egypt.
0: Right? So, you know. So, so uh, what, Paul Hensel, what what eg- exactly was he applying this to when he, when he was looking at his current... Uh, situation.
1: So, I mean, this was written, at least it was published in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. So he mentions the Atlanta pact, the Atlantic pact, which is NATO. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, He is, you know, in the atomic age. Right. Right. With all of the weapons of, you know. Very scary time. Right. And, you know, what did, what does, I mean, what did our country, I mean, even today, what does our country rely on? It relies on its great and mighty military, right? Where we spend uh, billions and billions of dollars. Uh, probably, I, I can't even remember what it is. More than the next like four countries combined, hmm. right? You know, um, and this is this is God's point: is that if if I don't give you success. Right, and see, this is what the children of Israel did. They also trusted in their superpower. They trusted in Egypt, mm. right? They trusted that Egypt would save them from the Babylonians. That Egypt would swoop in and save the day. But that is that is not what's going to happen, right? right? Um, and so, in the same way, uh, we should knock away all of these earthly props, right? Um, and God has already done that with mm-hmm. Corona, right? He's shown us that science is definitely not united right that there is very little that can be done to actually stop this and we still don't know and we you you know know, there's there's so much we don't know about this and it's just a tiny little virus i mean it's a virus that affects two percent of the population at the moment right right and so the thing is is that god is humbling us Hmm. um and uh and that's the thing is, like, we have put our trust in all of these other things. Everybody thought they would die old in the nursing home, and now the nursing home is the worst place to be. Right. You know, um, we trusted in our wealth. Well, now the economy is tanked, right? Um,
0: we so we trust in our, our technology, even, our like, our cell phones, that kind of thing, but that, that's just making us feel more lonely. Exactly.
3: Yeah, sports have been stripped away.
1: So all of yeah. these things that we've trusted in uh, are finally being revealed to be the broken reed that they actually are. A reed that if we lean on it too heavily will pierce our hand. And that's the whole point is that um, we, while these things are good things, good gifts from God, uh, we should obviously we should obviously reflect on ourselves. Right. And, um, you know, and uh, see if these things are idols. Right. You know. Because he's right. Judgment begins at the house of God, mm-hmm. right? And if the righteous scarcely are saved, what's going to happen to the wicked? <laughs> you know?
3: I liked his uh, his picture of the preacher taking the pulpit uh, with uh, following a carriage ride. <laughs> I mean, he's talking about the days of old with the circuit riders riding to the different churches because of the lack of preachers. Mm-hmm. But I think of myself on my bicycle I don't have quite a long dry, uh, ride to church, but...
0: Uh, and it is a reminder, too, that we have it so easy as pastors. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, even uh, parishioners have it easy. Hmm. Right. Like, I mean, I look at how St. Paul's was formed. I mean, they were traveling, what, 15, 20, you know, 10, 15 miles on, uh, by horse and buggy to get to church. Right. right. And they finally established their own church in 1895, which... Um, both, both your congregation and mine, our daughter congregations of of. Um, of Emmanuel, which is a Bead Lakes,
0: Beads Lake Church, right? So you know, and the fact that you know, although it's it's different in the sense, the sense of you know, at the same time, uh, we have all sorts of new things to worry about that they didn't, all sorts of new temptations, diversions, yeah. They still had dancing and card playing and, <laughs> yeah. you know, so,
1: <laughs> yeah. but no, that's the thing is that we are so very rich and we don't even, uh, we don't even know it. Yeah. Um, and, um, Isaiah chapter 20 is a great reminder, uh, of where to find your strength and where to find and where to place your hope because it is not in the powers of this world.
0: Right. I remember, you know, one, one thing I always uh, like to think about sometimes when you're a pastor a long time is you think of some of the stories you hear. And, uh, you know, I think of um, this elderly member I had. He talked about his days when he and his wife first married. This was he was talking. This is when I was first a pastor, not even here. And uh, um, he talked about his life. One is uh, his uh, parents um, both died when he was young from the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. Now he just knew that we he, he didn't understand the historical context as much as we've been hearing about. It. He just said, "Yeah, yeah, um, they just had there was just like a really bad flu that came out." <laughs> That's the way he described it, and his parents died. And then he talked about uh, about uh, his his uh, his earnings when he first got married, mm-hmm. and uh, they would uh, lived off the, the land on a small farm, and then he would bring in uh the cream uh or the butter from his his dairy cow and that would he would get 15 cents and that with that his wife would buy the sugar right that she needed hmm. and then uh they would you a lot of times had an extra 5 cents to go to the picture show that week right <laughs> and and he talked about he talked about he he mentioned that was the happiest time of my life Yep. Think of the the hard work that you know, when uh, you know having parents die from the, the flu. Yep. You know, which was a little over a hundred years ago, um, mm-hmm. which kind of shows his age and now my age. But um, but I I just I just uh, that's one of the beautiful things for me over the years about being a pastor and and I've, I've mentioned that before many times well, how I I missed a lot of those those people and if you really
1: want to see some real suffering are there any uh siberian lutheran mission videos of like where they where they talk about
0: what the church has gone through yeah there? yeah you can uh find those on uh, the siberian mission society yep. website maybe we can uh post that on
1: our facebook page or something yeah
0: we always say that and we never, and we never
1: do, do. <laughs> well you know because like their last pastor, it was the second largest denomination in Russia before the revolution, and um, uh, their last pastor was killed in 1935. And so these people had to go for decades without pastors. All their hymnals were burnt. They had to copy them by memory. Mm-hmm. Um, they were
0: uprooted from their land. And and the, 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 the churches... Lutherans were just seen as German rather than Lutheran, which— Right. And they got put in the gulags. I mean,
1: you know, so that's the thing is like, and now even today, uh, they pay their pastors in potatoes because these people are super poor. They don't have anything.
0: Right. So the pastors are cab drivers, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, do we have any news that bothers Berg or anything like that? (laughs) Hey, Vicar, what are you thinking about?
3: Vicar yeah I was thinking of a pastor's long pauses What's Vicar?
0: <laughs> were they pregnant pauses <laughs> very pregnant <laughs> that's one thing about my preaching style like a seahorse I have a lot of pauses <laughs> I like to let people ruminate
3: you know one time at camp uh, as a camp counselor, I asked my cabin kids what sea creature I would be and they told me a seahorse. Seahorses are, as far as I know, the only animal—the only animal which the male bears the child.
1: So, <laughs> ba- basically, what the movie Junior was all about, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, where they actually grow a baby inside their—oh uh, yeah, my! He, so, yeah, just now
0: think of a pregnant Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> so. Um. <sighs> Yeah, the third phase begins when the females brightening and a suit, we should talk about that. Peter, <laughs> <laughs> This is a family show. We don't want to make all the sea well, horses. Well the sea in, horses in are in a audience. family way, so <laughs> all right. Well I think that's probably enough for a show. So yeah.
1: Um Thank you for listening. Or uh have we done a thing where they can reach us
3: yet? I don't think so.
0: All right. They can reach us at uh, um, feedback at clericalerrors.org, or they can send a fire us a message uh, on Facebook.
3: We'd love to see a message on Facebook.
0: Yeah. And uh, by the way, our listenership, it keeps going up lately. So, um, except for Oklahoma. Yeah. But uh, thank you for continuing to share the word. Um, we enjoy doing it, and, and uh, it makes us happy when people are, are, are listening along. So, yeah. Um, Uh, And also we have a Twitter and we have a Twitter at me, bro. Clerical errors, P P for podcast. Um, So thank you for listening. I'm Bullhagen, and I'm Berg and I'm Vicar and may your garlic be veggie. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts, questions, thoughts, concerns, you can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash clerical podcast, on Twitter at clerical p for podcast, or email us at feedback at clerical Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.